It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Jeffrey Simmons got the bag. What does that mean for the defensive tackle market? Odell Beckham, well, he's a Raven. What does that tell us about Lamar Jackson's future in Baltimore? It's a busy Monday here on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. You are Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes, your daily podcast for NFL and college football scouting. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? It's guys being dudes here on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. We're the Draft Dudes. I'm Joe Marino from Locked On Bills. He's Kyle Krabs from Locked On Dolphins. And we are your NFL experts here with you daily to talk team building across the league on the Lockdown NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Lockdown today to get 10% off your first month. Joe, we had some... Self-discovery of the defensive tackle market over the weekend with the Jeffrey Simmons mega contract. Nothing blows up a good galaxy brain quite like a four-year, 90-something, Four. $94 million contract extension. You know, mm-hmm. we had a couple galaxy brains in the past seven days in the build-up to this contract extension about the Titans and where they are and will they traded A.J. Brown. They're in the rumor to be looking for quarterbacks. Kevin Byard was apparently on the market. Could they move Simmons and not pay him? Is the, what, What's the cost or what's the price? Well, it's all moot now because Jeffrey Simmons is going to be the keystone and cornerstone of that Titans defense through whatever transition the team undertakes over the next couple of seasons. My first prevailing thought with this extension is this is absolutely a statement move from their new general manager, Rand Carthon, right? First year on the job, just got hired a few months ago. And this is a statement. And I think part of the reason we allowed ourselves to have some of those galaxy brain conversations about Jeffrey Simmons and potentially being traded is because of the recent history with the Tennessee Titans and their draft picks. And just not a whole lot of guys being brought back and guys getting cut, not being given second contracts. You go back through guys like Corey Davis, Jack Conklin, Adoree Jackson, just straight up cut. He's a good starter in the league. John U. Smith, not brought back, right? There was this long cycle of just not a whole lot of traction with Tennessee keeping their own. And Rand Carthon comes in there and says, you know what? If you go out and you perform, you got a long future here in Tennessee. We're going to pay you a market deal. Jeffrey Sermon Simmons absolutely went out there and earned it. And I think this is a good signal to the locker room moving forward that if you get drafted here and you develop, we are going to keep you, and I think that was a big message sent by Rand Carthon in his early months here as the GM of the Tennessee Titans. So let's let's talk about Simmons and what we know about the deal. Uh, he'll turn 26 this summer. It's a four-year, $94 million extension mm-hmm. on top of the one-year $10.7 million that he was already scheduled to have as the fifth-year option this year. 
So technically speaking, this is a five-year, $104.7 million contract with a $24 million signing bonus, $66 million in guaranteed, an annual average salary of $23.5 million. That's number two on the defensive tackle market. And I don't want to get ahead of ourselves with the defensive tackle market, but just acknowledging that's number two APY behind one Aaron Donald. Okay, so... There's Aaron Donald and everybody else, and it's been that way. And Aaron was getting 50% more than the next highest defensive tackle coming into this this cycle. So from a cap perspective for Tennessee, $24 million signing bonus, when you transpose that against he was scheduled to get $10.7 million, you can now take the 10.7 and make it a part of the $24 million signing bonus, and you can prorate that out across the next five seasons. So I would expect the Titans have saved about $4 million, $4.5 million in salary cap this year getting the contract extension done, which will be important when we talk about the defensive tackle market and players like Quinnen Williams and Christian Wilkins and potentially Ed Oliver, whether that comes from Buffalo or somebody else, because I know he feels like the one who's kind of had some trade rumors floating around mm-hmm. this offseason. So that's just kind of from a, a big-picture perspective. Simmons gets paid. The Titans save money in 2023 against the cap. He gets more than a 2x pay raise in the process, number two APY for defensive tackles, and $66 million in guaranteed. That, that, I mean, that's, that's a strong number. That's over two-thirds of the money in the deal is guaranteed money. Yeah, that was something that stood out to me as well. That's a, a large percentage of guaranteed money. I think it makes sense, though. Simmons, you don't really have any questions about him being a cornerstone for your, your organization. Right. Moving forward, I mean, uh, all pro and Pro Bowl are the last two seasons. One thing that I love about him is he's playing a ton of snaps, uh, north of 80% of the defensive snaps the last three seasons for Tennessee. Yeah. And I he think that's the number one defensive tackle in snaps last year. He was like right. a, a 1,027 snaps or something like that he played last year. So you're you're getting a lot of bang for your buck here for a player like you mentioned. He's entering his age 26 season. I think what, is it July he turns 26. Yeah, so yeah. this is a fresh 26 year old defensive tackle. Um, so there, there's really not a whole lot I think to come into this from and say you know what I got questions about what they did here. Right, everything kind of adds up to me. I think what you know on top of what I had to share about Rand Carthon and I think this being a strong message is I look back at that Tennessee Titans 2019 draft class and Kyle. John Robinson knocked it out of the park. The problem is, well, let me tell you the names here, and it'll be quite obvious what the problem is. At number 19, they picked Jeffrey Simmons. At number 82, or excuse me, number 51, they picked A.J. Brown. At number 82, they picked Nate Davis. 116, Amani Hooker. 168, DeAndre Walker. And 188, David Long. You've already lost three starters. Yeah. You've already lost three starters that you drafted. A.J. Brown, Nate Davis, David Long. Those are all good players. And so locking up Jeffrey Simmons was critical because, I mean, you did the thing with Imani Hooker. You've already taken care of him, but that would have been a tough pill to swallow to lose another good starter from that well, draft class. Yeah, because you, you think about Tennessee, right? And it's like you've, you've already acknowledged kind of this trend of it's almost more of a, I don't want to say a college program from a team building standpoint, but College programs are built because you have guys for four or five years and then they leave. Mm -hmm. And then you have to constantly reload where being able to 
fly a little closer to the sun and retain your top end talent. And they, they've done that with Kevin Byard, right? They've now done that with Jeffrey Simmons. Um, you mentioned Imani Hooker as well. Like there's players that they've done that with, but the percentage of players that have become quality or adequate level starters at the NFL level who have bounced is part of the reason why Tennessee is in the shoes that it's in now where they're looking at a transition, right? Because if you extrapolate that across the last three seasons, you mentioned a name like Jack Conklin is just another example, right? Like that progressively happening and not getting second contracts within your team creates more needs. And I think that's really interesting when you consider how John Robinson did it for quite a while, which was always drafting for need. Mm-hmm. He said, oh, we're just going to draft a guy. Yeah. Well, you better bet a thousand. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> it's tough, especially when you look at some of the things that he went out to try to figure out. I think a lot about wide receiver. I think a lot about edge, right? Yeah. This need for another edge rusher. And and really just, I mean, look at this resume of Jadavion Clowney not really working out. Bud Dupree, Tock McKinley. Uh, there's another name that is Vic Beasley, right? None of these mm. guys really wound up being anything. And then you trade a two and a four for Julio Jones. That doesn't come to fruition, right? It just felt like some of those key components of the roster to build up around this Ryan Tannehill, Derek Henry, we're going to pound the rock, run the football, be sound on defense. There wasn't enough of those X factors sprinkled in at some of those premium positions to get them over the hump. And that's why I think they had a really good run, but it never really resulted in them getting you know winning the AFC and of course playing in the Super Bowl right and that that's kind of the cost of doing business with a non-elite quarterback team life cycle right you got two three years build it up you hit some good drafts you have a surplus of assets then you got the next four five six seasons to make the right moves Mm -hmm. and then the wheels fall off the bus and you do it all over again and that's kind of it's not the norm, or it's not the not the expectation for any fan base because they've seen I football gods, I see what you've done for Kansas City and I see what <laughs> you've done for New England, and I want that for me, right? Sure. Yeah. No doubt. Be content with a different way to get it done, right? Like <laughs> there's there's other right. ways that you can you do You have that. to. And I think this is this is kind of a really fun um era of the NFL in general because we have seen this changing of the guard, right? And and the AFC side of things, especially like, yeah, you do have Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, you do have Josh Allen. Yeah, you do have Joe Burrow. But like, it's really competitive, right? Like there, there's a bunch of teams that you feel like could get hot at the right time of year and make a run. Like they're, what, six, six, seven teams? Sure. Yeah, you know? no, no question. Right. With the, just the caliber of the, the totality of their roster. Yeah. And it's like, dude, that's what the Rams and the Bengals did when they were four seats. Yeah. They got hot at the right time of year. Baltimore. And they made a run. Yes. Yeah. So it happens. Give yourself a chance. And, and it's all of the, well, the AFC representative in the Super Bowl was Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, or Peyton Manning for like a decade. Or Joe Flacco, right? Like four quarterbacks in a decade. I think we're going to see a little bit more. I think Kansas City's going to have plenty to say about the next decade of of winning the AFC. Well, we'll see. It's been a Mahomes Burrow situation right. for what? The last, the last few. Four, four, the last four, four have been either Mahomes or yeah. Burrow. So uh, we'll see if anyone else could crash that party. I'm certainly got my fingers crossed about one particular guy. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so we're going to talk more about defensive tackles in the market here in just a moment. But first, this show is brought to you by BetterHelp. 
Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. In fact, I was actually talking with my 18-year-old niece the other day about how differently I saw things at her age compared to even 25 or 30 years old. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way that we do until we talk things through. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOn today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOn. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Okay, Joe, so we got to talk about the defensive tackle market in its entirety. And I know we mentioned $66 million in practical guarantees for for Jeffrey Simmons. Uh, That is... Just off the very quick glance, amongst the top contracts um, at the defensive tackle position, that's the third highest practical guaranteed as far as percentage of money, second highest raw total. So Chris Jones had 75% of his four-year $80 million deal. That was practically guaranteed at 75%. Aaron Donald was fully guaranteed, practically guaranteed. Uh, and then Jeffrey Simmons at 70% of his four-year $94 million contract extension is guaranteed money. So some big dollars, obviously from an APY perspective. Um, I think there's a lot, there's, there's a couple of patches within the top 15 that I think you're going to start to see some players fill in the blanks on. Uh, do, yeah. you want, do you want me to read through the, the top values? You can. I, I for the Yeah, I have the 10 right here, but... Go ahead and so put them out there. Aaron Donald, 31.67. Jeffrey Simmons, 23.5. Deron Payne, 22.5. DeForest Buckner, 21. Javon Hargrave, 21. Chris Jones, 20. Jonathan Allen, 18. Vita Vea, 17 and three quarters. Kenny Clark, 17.5. And, and then Grady Jarrett at 16.8. So, first of all, can we just like put Aaron Donald to the side? Because. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not a the same. It's it's not a comparable. Yeah, we're not in the same solar system here, and, and it makes sense, right? Aaron Donald, the historic run, he's way ahead of everyone else. But this group, this position group as a whole, was kind of late to the party when it comes to a boom, right? And we've seen this with some other position groups lately, like tight end, even corner over the last few years. They've really kind of caught up. Uh, linebacker certainly happening as well. Um, and really even this offseason, right, before the Simmons deal, which, again, we're throwing Aaron Donald out, and Simmons became the highest-paid defensive tackle in the league, average per year, not name Aaron Donald, right on the heels of Deron Payne doing the same thing at 21.5 and 
Javon Hargrave coming in at 21 as well. So there's mm-hmm. been some big dollars handed out to defensive tackles recently. And the timing is pretty fascinating because of this 2019 defensive tackle class that has been really, really good. Um, and Jeffrey Simmons, the first to get paid and, and good for him. And, and I, I have a, a thought as to why, but I want to acknowledge some of the names before we dig into them. Quinn and Williams with the Jets, Christian Wilkins with the Dolphins, Dexter Lawrence with the Giants, at Oliver with the Bills. Jeffrey Simmons is first. And I think that makes a lot of sense for him to be first for Jeffrey Simmons because, again, throwing aside Aaron Donald, I think Quinnen was going to get the most money here. And for at least a moment in time, Jeffrey Simmons can 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 say say that he was the highest paid defensive tackle in the NFL, not named Aaron Donald. Good for him. And obviously the the no state income tax thing in Tennessee, uh, that's probably great for for Jeffrey and, and, you know, all the wealth that he's able to generate for his future. What's what's fun is you, you mentioned Simmons and you mentioned Javon Hargrave and Deron Payne re-signed in Washington as mm-hmm. well. But if you go, if you strike the deals out that were done this offseason wow. and, we're, and we're admitting Aaron Donald because mm-hmm. we've already acknowledged Aaron Donald's in a different stratosphere, your top two contracts at this position were signed in 2020. Wow. With DeForest Buckner reset it at 21 and Chris Jones at 20. And Kenny Clark in the same year got 17 and a half. So that was your previous reset was three years ago for 21, 20, and 17 and a half. And when now was you, John Allen? Do we know that? Because he's at 18. I'm John curious. Allen was in 2021. Okay. So it was like he was a part of the beneficiary of the last reset three years ago for the top of the market. It was him and uh, Vita Vey in the same offseason got 18 and 17 and a quarter. So that's kind of been the, and you mentioned this class of 2020, the guys in the next couple of years understanding that there's not a lot of really good draft classes at interior defensive tackle after 2020. I expect the top of this market is going to be stagnant for a couple of years in the same way that it was last time. After this boom, after, after, guys after are... the guys from the 2020 yeah. class get done, I think you spend a couple of years where the guys who are getting top dollars in their respective years are filling in the blanks between the yeah. numbers that we're establishing right now. Yeah. So you want to look at these guys, start with maybe yeah. Quinn Williams. I think that's such an easy conversation. Um, he's a monster, right? He's he's the, he's going to get paid more than Jeffrey Simmons, and he should. And, and I think they're both awesome players. But I think this is probably your next one. I think he comes in at 24, 24 and a half, maybe 25 a season. Um, I mean, just what he showed last year, the the trajectory. I don't like I don't like playing against Quinn Williams, man. He's yeah. awesome. He's um he's a game record inside. There's Dude. no question. Yeah. Yes. And he's, is he a better pass rusher than Jeffrey Simmons? I think they're yeah. close. Yeah, but, but I think they're Quinnen, close. But a I think more. Quinnen's got a, just a little bit more twitch, as evidenced by the fact that he was, just, what, the second overall pick in the draft. Like, the, the physical talent yeah. has always been there for Quinnen Williams, and it was kind of slow getting him started. But the fact that he has lived up to that potential now, I think the only thing that, that might be restrictive to him is just how often they rotate on that Jets front with Robert Sala, but it ain't stopping you from paying him because because no. the evaluation is very straightforward. Yeah, and I think I think it's um, Quinnen might be in a better scheme to 
rush than Simmons, right? Yeah. Simmons got to play a lot of five, you know, c- coming off mm-hmm. the edge and looping. Quinn's and, a, and, tr- a true three and yeah, firing off the ball and yeah, getting north. Yeah, yeah. So that one's. I think that's pretty cut and dry. I think we we both agree he comes in above Simmons, but like, yes. Okay. And th- that's probably going to be like twenty three point six or twenty three point seven five. Oh, right? you think like it's it, going to be a buy a hair? It, yeah, the, that's the market's been set, right? Like, I, I don't think you can really. Your negotiating ploy if you're Quinnen's team is talking about Aaron Donald, and if you're the Jets, it's or it's okay. Well, <laughs> let's not talk about Aaron Donald, and let's right. let's give you the number one. I don't think he's going to get twenty five. I'd say it's between twenty three and a half and twenty four. Is what he gets. Okay, I'll say twenty three and a half to twenty five. I mean, okay, sure, you take, take the over on twenty four, make it fun. No sure, bill bar, no no bill bars no, here. Just no, 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 no yeah, bill bars. Yeah, we don't want to do that. All right, so he was the first defensive tackle drafted, Quinton Williams. The next one was at Oliver yeah. at number nine, and I think that this conversation is really different. Uh, I think I've I'm well acquainted with that Oliver. Ed Oliver is a good NFL starting three technique. Is he a consistently dominant player? No. Right, I don't think he's in the same conversation as Simmons or Williams at all. I, I don't see him that way. Um, again, good starter. I think his lack of length is always going to be a challenge for him. Right, he's got to work overtime to get off blocks. He's he gets off I the like ball that. hard. He, I like pardon? that phrase. He's got to work overtime. overtime to get yeah, off he blocks does. for for guys who don't have length and extension. Yeah, he's I'm got sub thirty two inch arms. Apologies, it, it, it takes some that. time, man. He's He's explosive. He plays hard you know, for a smaller guy, a 280-something pound defense tackle. You don't really see him getting blown off the ball, but getting off contact and making plays is prohibitive. And so I think I think that Ed, Ed Oliver is going to get paid. I don't know if it'll be by the Bills, um, but I think sometime in the next calendar year, he's going to get an extension. But I think it's going to be somewhere in like the the 10 to 14 range. I think about David Anyameta got like 12 million this past offseason. Sheldon Rankins came in around 10. I think he's in that ca- that conversation more so than touching what we're getting into here with the Simmons and, and the Williams type. Can stuff. you talk real quick about? And, and by the way, that I mean that's after I mentioned we the last name we read was Grady Jarrett, and then it's Cameron yeah. Hayward at sixteen point four. Dalvin Tomlinson's the next highest at fourteen and a quarter. Fourteen. So you yeah. when you talk about those soft spaces to start plugging guys in, I think about fourteen and a quarter, and then Reader's thirteen and a quarter, and then yeah. Anyameta's. 11.7? 11.67, yeah. So, I mean, you have five players between 16 and 10.4. That's a very middle-classy kind of yeah. place to start interjecting. Can you talk just a little bit about, like, snaps for Ed? He's 60% guy. So the last two years, he's he's been, I think he went f- f- right at 50, 54, 58, 60, right? So he's like, he's just now pushing that 60%. Rotation-heavy defense for, for the Bills. And I think obviously the one thing that can really impact things for Ed is if he goes out and has a crazy good year in a contract year, right? right. That that's certainly possible. Um, I think that probably year, puts him in the conversation to get the fifteen sixteen. Sure, but yeah. I, if he goes out and yeah. puts up numbers, yeah, he can get on the higher end of that middle class. But north of fifteen, I think. I, I mean, I just don't think that's in the cards for him. Um, Christian Wilkins next. Was he twelfth pick? Thirteenth uh, pick. Thirteenth pick. Yeah. So he's next. So Christian, if Wilkins, you want the floor here, go ahead. Yeah. So uh, Christian Wilkins, 
has, in the same way that Ed Oliver took some time to to kind of find his footing, Christian Wilkins, when he first got into the league, kind of struggled with pad leveraging and consistency as far as pad level. Uh, he doesn't have the sack numbers. I get it. You know, you're, you're talking about these guys that are 8 to 10 sacks. But when I think about Christian Wilkins, he played in a gap control defense. He also played in a defense under Brian Flores and Josh Boyer that predicated a lot of its pass rush on identifying a particular gap and matchup that they wanted to isolate. And they run a lot of two- and three-man games. And when I think about Christian Wilkins, you're in a gap control defense, so a lot of your early passing downs, you're reading the block before you convert into your pass rush. And then on a number of your third-down pass rush situations, you are the postman for the two- and three-man games where you are setting the pick for a looper to come behind you to try to manufacture free runs up the interior. So I think about Christian Wilkins and his sack numbers, and I don't think it should be restrictive or you should look at his sack numbers and say, oh, well, he doesn't sack the quarterback. He shouldn't get paid top dollar. He's an elite player at this stage in his career. The last two seasons, he's been phenomenal. He played over 1,000 snaps defensively for the Dolphins, or over 1,000 snaps in total last year for the Dolphins as well. Uh, it was over 900 snaps defensively plus special teams. He uh, plays on the punt team. I'm not paying him to play on the punt team, right? But I'm just giving you the full resume of who he is. He locked peaks and sheds at about as high of a level as any defensive tackle in the league right now. He made 92 tackles last year, 55 solo tackles. His range, his effort, his motor, and you're going to put him in a Vic Fangio defense where defensive linemen are now responsible for playing a gap and a half against the run, and you're more of an organic front-style pass rush as compared to we want you to lock, peak, and shed and diagnose the backfield and let the linebackers run free, or simultaneously we want you to slant and crash into the center's hip so that Jalen Phillips can come looping behind you and run free through the A-gap to hit a, to get a hit on the quarterback. Um, I think this this is a player that is probably going to be negotiating for 20, I think the Dolphins will be angling for kind of that, what we said was the the ceiling for Ed Oliver, and I expect them to fill in the blank between uh, John Allen and who was the other name at 20, uh, Chris Jones. Chris Jones. I think is where he's, there's a $2 million void where there's nobody in there. And that's my expectation for where his dollars are going to fall. So your range is 15 to 20 with Wilkins? I I think he's going to go between 18 and 20. I okay. think the Dolphins are going to be angling for 15, and Christian and his camp are going to be angling for 20. Yeah, I, I, I'm similar. I think high teens for Christian Wilkins is kind of where I'm expecting. If I'm him, I want 20. If I'm Christian Wilkins also, I might want to wait. You know, I might want to wait and have the season. If I'm Miami, I want the deal done now. Correct. And that, it would maybe benefit. that helps him in similar ways that you talked about with Christian, with uh, Simmons, and that they can get some cap relief now and lock in, obviously, a, a critical piece well, of their roster. I guess what's unique about Miami is they, they – have the opportunity with the Byron Jones deal. They're going to get $13 million in cap after June 1st. So they might not need it unless there's somebody they want to sign in the meantime that they need to manufacture the four or $5 million in space for. So um, it would behoove the Dolphins exponentially to get this done before Christian Wilkins plays this year in in Vic Fangio's system. We'll see how that goes. It's it, there's interesting dynamics on both sides there, um, and then there's the whole burden hands better than two in the bush, right? I right. mean, there's a lot of money that's going to be offered to you, bud. Do you, <laughs> it's hard to. That's got to be. I couldn't imagine. 
I couldn't imagine right. saying no to like $18 million a year, man. That's crazy. Right. But that's also not a world that I live in. So I, it's not really, uh, I'm not my, saying no to free, not saying no to free lunch, right? No, so. right. <laughs> yeah, we're, we, we are not the same. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about this for Christian Wilkins? One dynamic that's different from him than all these other players is the age factor, right? He's like two years older than these guys. He turns 28 in December. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think that's a huge, especially stylistically how he plays. I think he's going to be fine into like that 32 range for me. So I have no problem with like a four-year deal for him. But it, I think it's just a layer. It's a it's a worth mentioning layer, I think, in, in this entire picture as we consider this 2019 defensive tackle class. But I think we see him similarly in terms of valuation. Yeah. I, I just, the little soft spot in me, I, I'd go to 19 and a half. Right, like I'd be willing to go that. You're not going to let him go. Yeah, yeah. There's not a world where Christian Wilkins so, is not brought back. This is the weird thing. They've they've really started. Zach Sealer just tr- converted to Rosenhaus as his agent, mm-hmm. and the Miami beat has kind of been talking about how they want to get a deal done with Zach Sealer too. Well, you've got Bradley Chubb. You're going to have to pay Jalen Phillips. You're talking about Christian Wilkins getting eighteen to twenty million dollars per season, and Zach Sealer right now is getting paid three and a half. And he's in a contract year as well. Yeah. He so, deserves a bunch of money too, right? Correct. He's a player that would go in that I am at a dollar range for me. 12, 13. 12, something. 13. Yeah. Yeah. So he's due for like nine, 10, 11 million dollar raise per season. Mm-hmm. So I guess from the Dolphins' perspective, they'll have to, and I don't think they would do anything to move either one ahead of 2023, but I do think they're going to have to pick one. You pick Wilkins, so right? You just I have would. to. I wouldn't. It's a slam dunk, and I wouldn't think twice about yeah. it. And I love Zach Sealer. Sure. But if I had to pick one, I would pay Christian. But I do think that's a storyline here as far as, like, if they don't get it done and they play it out, you know, th- that there's a world where we say, okay, well, we'll pay Sealer, and Christian's priced himself out of our market because of the winning window that they have. And you would do like a tag and trade type scenario or something like that. And I'm not advocating for that by any means, but just acknowledging well, all the avenues they have. I think there's something for Zach Sealer in Miami, but he's probably going to have to make some concessions. And I think you have two great bargaining chips on your side of things. If you're Miami, first of all, obviously the no, you get to play in South Florida, right? Everybody loves that. Yep. And, and, and there's no state income tax. So, right. Like we can pay you less, but you're probably going to take home, you know, right. the, your take home pay will be more. Right. Or so that's equal. something to be mindful of. And also like, Hey, like we're the team that unlocked you, bro. Like you want to continue to be part of this. You know, you want, you love it here. We love you. We just like, Hey, like it can't, it just we don't have enough right can, can so we go can higher can we go higher guarantees and give you 10 as sure. compared to yeah. lower guarantees you go somewhere else and pay taxes and get 13 that's the kind of stuff miami's got to tap into uh dexter lawrence we can both spike the football here because we were told he was just a big slob nose tackle lies. that can't play and Downright anybody lies. that watched him at clemson knew that wasn't the case uh this is kind of fun right both these guys those guys are college teammates yeah. lawrence and wilkins yeah. now they're gonna get that paid mega dollars right <laughs> good for them uh Lawrence was, I mean, really just a huge year this past year with uh, Wink Martindale, the the sack production upticked. Uh, he's always been disrupted. The run defense has been there. He's angling himself, I think, to be kind of in that uh, Hargrave conversation. Is he a younger Hargrave? You know, is that probably hit the way that he's negotiating? You know, is he somewhere? Is he Deron Payne money? Is he low 20s? I'm kind of, that's kind of where I'm thinking for Lawrence. I just want to beat Vita Vea. Oh, he will. He yeah. will beat Vita Vey at 17 and three quarters. Right. But that's, you talk about 
the the guys that are in that stratosphere. And Kenny Clark's what? Because Kenny Clark's another one. And if, a half. if I'm Dexter, 17 and a half? Yeah. Yeah, so I just want to beat Vita Vea. As, as the nose, and, and he's a pass rush disruptive nose, and Hargrave's been that to some degree as well. I think that's the right names to invoke here as far as comparables because whether it's Wilkins or or Chris Jones being able to play on the five at times, or Jeffrey Simmons being able to play on the five, or Aaron Donald's in a different stratosphere, right? Like, you think about the guys that live in the A and the B gaps uh, and and take a higher percentage in the A gaps. It's Vea, Clark, and Lawrence. And I want to be cream de la creme of those guys. I just want to make sure that's that's where I end up landing. If I'm Dexter Lawrence, I'm saying John Hargrave at 30-something years old just got 21 a year. You better give me that. That's what I think he's angling towards. Deron Payne even 23 and a half or 22 and a half. 1,600 defensive snaps the last two seasons. Uh, it, that's Dexter a lower Lawrence. amount. What's what's the percentages there? Do you have that? 80, 82% this year. Whoa. He played yeah. 82% of snaps? The 82% wow. of defensive snaps last year, yeah. And then 60, wow. 65% in 2021. Dude, that's a ton. Um, and, and Sean McDermott lands sixty percent as a ton. These guys right. pushing eighty. I, I, I have no <laughs> idea what that means. I'm used to like every three snaps a whole different defensive well, line being on the but, field. But dude, that that's three of the four names that we're mentioning: Dexter Lawrence, Christian Wilkins, and Jeffrey Simmons. That yeah, that's where they th- live. those are. All those guys are high volume snap guys, and it makes sense if you're going to pay that kind of money, pay a guy that's going to be on the field. I get. I got to look up Quinnen. Quinnen is. Uh, sixty-five percent this past year, so he's been between fifty-seven and sixty-five percent. Right, but but again, that's that's the Sala, San Francisco rotational. Sala front doesn't want ideology. his guy. He doesn't want him playing more than three snaps in a row. Right. He doesn't want to play more than forty snaps a game. Right. So I think that was, that's the thing man. that the that I think that's the thing with the negotiation with the Jets. Like I said, that kind of can end up working against him a little bit, and why I don't think he's going to blow Jeffrey Simmons's numbers out of the, out of the, the water because they're going to say, dude, like. You're playing two out but of every. He's like, I don't, I don't get to pick what snaps I'm on the field. Y'all are the Correct. one telling me come in and out. Correct. I don't, I don't disagree. I'm just saying, I think that's that's right. part of what the Jets are going to present the argument with. Hey, look, we let let's talk Fanduel and then OBJ? switch gears here. Yeah, yeah. Let's go from big people to little people here. But first, grand slams, no hitters, and double plays. They are back, and there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than Fanduel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate. With a no sweat first bet up to $1,000, just go to fanduel.com slash locked on, sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. Whether you like Aaron Judge to hit some home runs, a pitcher to go over on strikeouts, you can build a single game parlay with your favorite matchup of the day. So don't miss your chance to get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel official partner of Major League Baseball. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team 
every day. This Odell contract is insane on several fronts. Really? You think it's insane? Did you see how they structured it? 15 guaranteed worth up to 18. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm talking about. You see the void money? Oh, no. What is that? I didn't see that part. What do you think his cap hit this year is? On a one-year, $15 million guaranteed contract. I walked into this conversation thinking it was 15 guaranteed. It's not. not, Okay. Well, it is 15 15 guaranteed. So what is his cap hits this year is going to be four and a half, and there's three void years. They put four void years on the back end of the deal. Jeez. His cap hit this year is $3.9 million, and he will carry an $11 million dead cap hit in 2024. Wow. This is all all for Lamar, right? Yes. So, like, I knew it was all for Lamar. I didn't know that piece of it, and now it's just this is, like, this is what we have to do to get Lamar to come back and play for us. Right, because they were very quick to tweet out Odell and Lamar on the FaceTime with the screenshot when Odell. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so that changes a lot of what I had to say because I came into this conversation, you know, ready to applaud the Ravens for getting a wide yeah, receiver. Yeah, because I and... thought the, the, the sticker shock. I'm like, oh, this is a lot of money, and then I'm like, no, it's not. He's the 23rd highest paid wide receiver. He's in the same stratosphere as Cortland Sutton and Allen Robinson. I'm like, okay, that seems kind of appropriate to me. I can live in that world. I didn't know they did all that and really kind of boned themselves in future years to have Odell for one season coming off of an ACL tear. This guy hasn't really had meaningful production in a while. And Thank you, and that's what I was going to say. What about the fact that he's played less than 1,000 snaps in the last three seasons combined? (laughs) We know what he can do, right? Let's not disrespect Odell. Like. He's a what good is Ode- player. What is Odell Beckham now? What is Odell Beckham now? We don't know. We don't Correct. know. We didn't play It's the football same thing with the Cam Newton coming out. There's not 32 guys better than me. Dude, it was Shannon, Shannon Sharp just dunked all over him. He's like, Cam last won a game as a starter in 2020. He may have made the Pro Bowl since 2015. This is the same thing. I don't know who Odell Beckham is. Is Odell Beckham just a shiny name that everybody... Uh, clearly it was because ESPN was so eager to put the photoshops with Odell in the Jets jersey and talk about him and Aaron Rodgers and are they the favorites to win the East? And Odell was supposed to go visit the Jets today. He and said, nope. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't have risked it either because by the time I my agent hung up the phone and told me Baltimore was offering me $15 million guaranteed, I'd be petrified that by the time I called <laughs> him back, they changed their mind. Did you see the one comment from Odell about, you know, because there's the rumor about him wanting 20 and then some? he said, he's like, yeah, they, that's not true, but I also four ain't going to get it done. Right. I bet you that's what like I bet you the Bills and Chiefs are offering like four million. It's like, hey, you want this? Which, quite frankly, with the quarterbacks that they have, they should be offering him that. And I think Baltimore's in a an awkwardly different situation because of the strife that exists between the team and, and Lamar, where you have to do something to move the needle to get him to want to play for you and doing this and getting Odell to a point where you gave him enough where the answer is yes, no questions asked was what you had to do. But boy, oh boy. <laughs> what happens if it doesn't work out with Lamar? What happens if Lamar plays this year and then goes his own separate way anyway? Well, I guess that's when that's when, when you would want to carry the $11 million dead cap hit. So is this a signal to you that Baltimore's all in on 2023? Uh, probably. And then we'll see. And then we'll see. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do what Dallas did with Dak Prescott. We're gonna do with Lamar, and we're gonna buy ourselves another year with the franchise tag. And 
then we're either going to pay him like Dallas did or we're not. And we're going to cost ourselves more money if we sign him, which is okay if you don't have that conviction. That's like, that's okay, but that's what they're doing here. That's what it tells me they're doing here. I want to look at it through this angle because I feel like there's been so much conversation about Lamar, Baltimore, coaching, supporting cast. And let's work through this really quick. Can you tell me, is this good enough? Offensive coordinator Todd Munkin. Okay. His receivers are now Odell Beckham, Rashad Bateman, and then this group of Devin DuVernay, James Prochet, Nelson Aguilar. You need another player. Better than it was, probably. It's better than it was, but you need another player at wide receiver, especially because we, like, what if Odell's not Odell? What if Odell's not the Odell that you know? Then then you need two players. Mark Andrews, Isaiah Likely, Charlie Cole are at tight end. It's good. You're you're starting O-line, Ronnie Stanley, Ben Cleveland, Tyler Linderbaum, Kevin Zeitler, Morgan Moses. We can go to war with that, right? Yeah, we can make that work. J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, Patrick Ricard at fullback. Probably with, like, a little more reliability in your running back room. I think that's fair. But are we down with this? Like, is there you need is there going to be commentary about the Ravens not giving Lamar what he needs to be successful? I'm sure people are going to be ticked off when they draft a corner in the first round. Well, their starting corners are well, Brandon and yeah, Steven, like, uh, well, Marlon Humphrey, Demarion Williams. Uh, yeah, they probably right, should they, think they, about they, a corner. They should draft a corner. So, what? What wide receiver can you add to the mix from this year's class? that's going to make you feel really good about the group. They're picking like 22, 23. Yeah. You see Jim Nagy's tweet this morning about, mm-hmm. yeah, Jackson, Four, five wide receivers, but JSN's the consensus first round grade. That's the world I've been living in. It's like, to me, if it's a wide receiver in the first round, I feel like I can just get, what are you going to talk about? Zay flowers or Jordan Addison. It's like, I don't know. I feel like those are the same as other players that can get on day two. I, I've been thinking about that for a while now. So, and I think Jackson – I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigba has – I think he'd add, he'd, he'd be great for this offense. I think he'd be great he, for any He offense. would be a great complimentary – look, and I know Duvernay and Prochet and Stretches have been productive slot guys, right? But how much of that has been because they just don't have anybody else to throw the ball to on the outside? It's true. Like, being a productive player doesn't mean you're the answer at that spot. Somebody has to catch the football. And Mark Andrews ain't going to catch 250 passes a year. Well, he can if he wants to for my dynasty team. Nobody cares about your fans. Nobody cares. Team. I know that, no one, yeah. Literally no one cares about your fans. Literally team. nobody. But I want – you have to, right? You're programmed to say yeah, stuff like I that. Yeah, I get it. Part of the I deal. Get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think they need – they need one more passing game piece. Ideally, yes. I think for the Ravens, like, isn't so much of their success this coming year going to be like, what do they get from Odafe Owe? What do they get from David Ajabo? It's kind like, of a scare. It's kind of a scare world to live in. Yeah, because that's like, so you've got questions behind Humphrey at corner, Tons and you have significant questions with your outside pass rush group. I like your linebackers and safeties. Right. <laughs> they're 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 the the spine of their defense is very strong. Right. That's a good way to put it. But what you have on the perimeter defensively is going to define your season. In my mind. And then there's so that AFC North conversation between Baltimore, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Pittsburgh. It's gonna be a competitive division. Highly competitive division, especially I'm if just, Watson plays anything like right. Watson. 
Cleveland's the total X factor. Right, they could go six and eleven, or they could go eleven sure. and six. I don't wouldn't be range. surprised either way. One of those range of outcomes teams. Yes. I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll be interested. I I think they'd probably, in a perfect world, Baltimore would add another wide receiver. They would add a, a starting caliber corner, and they would add a backfield piece. A backfield piece, because Dobbins in the contract year and. Dude, that's literally all they have under contract. Those three, it's Dobbins, Edwards, and Hill. Yeah, it's not, There's it's, not another single It's a great it's a great year to need a running back, though. For sure. They can find somebody. They'll, they'll yes. find a quality player in the middle rounds for sure. Yeah. Maybe a developmental tackle. Or yeah, we'll, we'll I mean, we'll see. a little bit. Falele. We'll see. Oh yeah, I forgot about Daniel Falele. Excuse me. Forgive me. We'll see. We'll see. I feel better about tackle now. Okay, they can do this. I think they can check successfully check a lot of boxes. We checked all our boxes, which means we're out of here. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with the draft. The dudes here on the Locked On Network, your teams every day. We appreciate you guys checking out the show. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. We hope you will come back and see us again tomorrow. Make it a great rest of your Monday. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.